There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Chicago everywhere. Check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah what, what episode is this? 92. Episode 92? Yes, All right, sir. there it is. I turn on this uh, noise machine that my fiance uses uh, when she is talking to her patients so that you can't hear stuff outside of the office. Right, uh-huh. so yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. you can keep your conversations private, and there's it's it's just a noise machine that that she keeps uh, right outside the door. I turn it on when I start to pod every once in a while, and I know it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. And if there's a pod that it's not gonna make a damn bit of difference on, it's gonna be this one because, ladies and gentlemen, 
This is why playoff basketball is the shit, okay? I don't care who you're listening to this with. I don't care who you're riding around with. If you're riding around with the babies, tell them I said what's up. But Uncle Jay going to get a little, uh, you know, it's going to be a little R-rated on this one, okay? Because so many emotions. By the way, I've been told I need to shout out people more often. All right, so on this glorious, glorious day, uh, I want to shout out all the convenience store owners, okay? All the people who sell us those de- delicious snacks, whether it be at the gas station or the, the corner bodega, if you're in on the East Coast, or if you got, like I said, the penny candy lady. I want to shout out all the people who, who make sure that we get our snacks uh, on time. I want to shout out all the Instacart deliverers, right? All the Uber Eats people out there, all the Grubhub folks, all the DoorDash folks, all the people who make sure we get the vittles uh, fast and, and, and on time and, and, and right there to your doorstep because I, I put it on mine that if you don't leave it at my doorstep, please don't expect to see a tip. And I know that might not be the best way to do things, but I'm tired of going outside and getting soggy ass food that's been out there for 15, 10 minutes because you didn't want to come up, you know, one flight of stairs or come up the elevator. I'm tired of that. You know, stop telling me where you at in the, in the, uh, the, the transaction, right? I'm downstairs. Well, shit, I'm on my couch still where I ordered it from. So what's going to happen here? Right. But shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all. Uh, I, I shouted out all those people because it's 420. Right. And all those people were put to use today. Uh, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Let's let's just start there. If you're listening to this and we, we appreciate you. It is the full go podcast with Jason Goff as I've been down here to uh, plug in my laptop to make sure that this thing doesn't go out while I'm sitting here talking about game two. Game two, Bucks, Bulls at five serve form. Ladies and gentlemen, the last pod, I told you how I felt about the Bulls dropping one. A a, a disappointing loss. A a game that I think they should have won. And as I sit here on the heels of a playoff victory for the team that I both cover and rooted for and root for now currently, but rooted for as a kid in the glory years, there is nothing like watching this team be triumphant in playoff games. Now, I've been through and seen and covered too many series to get uh, hyped up off of one win, but this win was different. First of all, it's the first time that a Bulls fan can say they've seen a Bulls team win the playoffs in five years. All right, let's start there. All right, and especially after that game one where you're like, okay, you, you, you woke them up a little bit and you took an L. That's a tough place to be in because you knew the Milwaukee Bucks were going to come out ready for bear in game two. And guess what? The Bulls met that energy. They not only met that energy, matched that energy, but they, they upped that energy. Bulls got out to a 9-0 start. And, and, you know, this team, for whatever reason, all year long has had to be reminded of how tough they can be, how physical they should be, how they should play over certain things and get on to the next play. And the emphasis has had to be reemphasized over and over and over again. And coming into this game, shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. Because I saw the odds. I saw the money line. And I'm like, wait a minute. This team almost won game one with poor performances across the board from their three best players. Then I had to weigh it. Say, guess what? Pat Connaughton, a bunch of guys didn't hit open shots for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Only Lopez and Giannis really had it going. Chris Middleton was going to be better in game two. So what do I believe? 
And what I believe going into this game was that the Bulls are going to win this game. I bet the Bulls to win this game on the money line. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook because I got my money in two hours or less. Like I'll be telling y'all all these commercials that I got to read at the end of these podcasts. Yeah. Shout out to that. Proof positive. This is a testimonial from your boy because I put 50 on the Bulls. Yes, I know. Big spender. I got you, right? $50, right? And I know a lot of people out there putting three, four, five hundred, a thousand on the games. Not me, player. Not me. My, my son eats Uncrustables by the dozens, okay? I, I, I got to have a little something in the reserves out here. So to watch this team get off to the 9-0 start that they got off to, started to really say to myself, this might be the game. Because the Bucs got out to a 9-0 start. They won the game, but they're the Bucs. The Bulls having that much confidence and taking some of it away with a quick early start. And it was, it was emphasized during our pregame pre-show meeting. It was emphasized during our pre-game show on NBC Sports Chicago. The pace and how the Bulls needed to take it to this Milwaukee Bucks team. You can't just go toe-to-toe with the champion for 12 rounds and think you're going to get the belt. You got to beat the champion. And the Bulls were playing inside some margins that were very, very tantalizing, very intriguing in terms of the how many turnovers they forced on this Bucks team, right? In terms of the way this Bucks team shot the three in the first game, there were some things that you looked at and go, okay, the second chance opportunities, the offensive rebounding that the Bulls uh, were able to achieve in the first game. There were certain things that if you just take a look at certain numbers, kind of like field position in football, where there's hidden yards, and, and if you got a really good punter, you could flip the field three or four times in a game. You mess around and get a turnover on their side of the field. You get yourself a touchdown or three points that's added to the sum total. And you, know, you don't know how because you're not looking at it in the box score. A few of those things that are box score measurables in the first game were there to, for the taking. The Bulls were going to go toe-to-toe with this team on the glass, even though they are a much bigger squad. Nikola Vucevic and the gang rebounding that took place in game one, I expected to take place in game two. And the Bulls were assertive and aggressive from the jump. This team plays a different level of offense when they are connected and regulated defensively. And I got to just say this, DeMar DeRozan and the 41 points, his playoff career high. uh, We've been talking about DeMar on this podcast for this entire basketball season. I don't know how many times I've talked about the, you know, the the, the masterclass or the the love letter to basketball that he was writing, especially with his game from the mid-range. What he did in the second half of this game tonight were... Everyone knew he was going to get the ball. Everyone in five-serve form, everyone here in the city of Chicago, everybody broadcasting that game, and everyone on both benches knew that DeMar DeRozan was going to have to bring this game home. And for the Bulls to fight the way they did, and my man Casey Johnson on Twitter uh, pointed it out, this team, uh, and this is what he tweeted, Bulls' lead went from 18 to 3 and then went back to 16 again. And it was DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Alex Caruso. DeMar DeRozan is one of those dudes who um, understands that he's going to have to answer the bell. And when he doesn't answer the bell, he's going to have to rely on his work to get him through the next game. Now, apparently, the lights were left on for him, or he found his way into fire serve form and put up shots yesterday before this game. Now, this is a dude who does this at the United Center quite often. This is a dude who I've heard about doing this in Toronto and in San Antonio before this. Um, 
he does not mess around when it comes to the fine-tuning of his game and the refinement of his game, even in series, even in, you know, road trips. Like, it's not just some off-season, you know, house of highlights, um, you know, uh, workout tape that he's putting together that a lot of these dudes throw out there and then they go into the season and you wonder why, you know, the the, the first half of their season doesn't look like the second half of their season. This dude works on his game uh, like very few do in the NBA. And the reason why... Is a great thing. Not only did you come out with wins like this after a horrific shooting game, six for 27, uh, I'm sorry, six for 25, right? Because nine for 27 was Vooch and six for 18 was Zach. Those dudes went 21 for 71 from the field in that game one. And if you didn't think that DeMar DeRozan wasn't going to not only come out and play better, but also remember how he played in that game one, you haven't been watching this team this year. DeMar DeRozan was fantastic, and he was fantastic in reading the fact that Mike Budenholzer wasn't taking the ball out of his hands in the second half until late in the fourth quarter. There's been a lot of shots at Mike Budenholzer as a um, strategic head coach over the last few years. His last year with Atlanta, his last couple of years or so with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Budenholzer is a, is a good coach. I do. But tonight when he did not go and take the ball out of DeMar DeRozan's hands, credit DeMar DeRozan for understanding what was working. Like, far too often we look at DeMar in losing situations and go, all right, man, you got to give up the rock. And I, th- I felt that way in game one when Nikola Vucevic had it going and there were a couple of possessions where DeMar DeRozan tried to get it going instead of milking Nikola and, and making sure they played through him. He didn't make that mistake this game because he was making the right basketball decision, which was to shoot the ball. If you're going to single up a guy like DeMar DeRozan who can get hot, especially from the spot that he knows how to get to, oh, yeah, it was problematic for them in the second half. The only time I thought they were able to slow down DeRozan was when they were able to keep uh, Brooke Lopez at the nail on the on the defensive end to meet DeMar elbow to elbow with some kind of length other than his primary defender. And they didn't do that as often as I thought they would. They didn't go get the ball out of DeMar's hands. They didn't trap him enough. And then in the fourth quarter, by the time that happened, Alex Caruso, man, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso had a a late 90s Scottie Pippen game where you look at the box score and you're like, damn, Scottie had nine points? He was all over the place. I thought he had at least 16, 17, 18 And then you look at the fact that he had 10 assists, right? And the defense that he played down the stretch on multiple players, when Chris Middleton was in the game, defended him well. When Giannis Antetokounmpo was in the game, defended him well. And of course, of course, Drew Holiday. Like, if we're going to pat Drew Holiday on the back for all the things that he's done, because I am a huge Drew Holiday fan. Don't ever get it twisted. Like, that is one of those dudes who I don't call underrated because I properly rate where he should be in the NBA hierarchy of point guards. But, man, what Alice Caruso did to Drew Holiday tonight and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton before he left, yo, Alice Caruso, if, if DeMar DeRozan scores maybe five or six less points, right, because going for 40 in a playoff game that you need is is unmistakable that that's the most important performance of the game. But if we're talking about 32-33, well, the score is different, and hopefully they still win. But I think we're focusing a lot more on Alex Caruso. And from Jump Street, this season, Alex Caruso, when he has been on the court, um, he is the guy, and I, I liken it to Kevin Garnett when, it, when we talk about the Boston Celtics big three back in the day. 
I always say this. Paul Pierce and Ray Allen were never the guys you thought of as premier defenders. Now, Ray Allen in Milwaukee, I thought was a, a good defender. But by the time he got to Seattle and then, of course, Boston, you know, y- y- your legs go, your athleticism goes a little bit. Maybe you can't stay in front of people the way you used to. But Ray was still a decent defender. R- Paul Pierce never really revered as a great defender or, or a good defender by any stretch of the imagination. But, but when Kevin Garnett got there, that shit changed. And it changed because you can't tell that guy my bad too often, right? You can't tell Kevin Garnett, man, my fault on that defensive rotation, especially when you're one of the better players on the team. And every team needs one of those dudes who's respected enough. It it doesn't even have to be your star. It doesn't have to be your 12-time, 13-time All-Star, your Hall of Famer, your All-NBA defender, your MVP candidate, Kevin Garnett. It can be somebody else. But if you got one of those guys on your team, it transforms your squad. And Alex Caruso is one of those dudes. As hard as he plays, and, and, and you know what? Too often we, we um, attribute like the scrappy, tough white guy stuff and, you know, oh, this is, you know, this. Look at him play. Alice Caruso is a damn good athlete. Alice Caruso's got a handle. Alice Caruso uh, is, you know, if you look at some of his off-court activities, out here getting in trouble like a brother used to back in the day, you know, like, hey, let's not get it twisted. You know, got caught up at the College Station Airport with a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that weed in the, on, his, on him, you know, had to, had to get arrested, right? Uh, and I'm sure him winning on 420 is hilarious. But, yeah, man. Alice Caruso ain't just some dude, just some floor slapper, right? Just not some dude at the end of the bench that you waving a towel at and can't wait to hope that he gets in the game at the end of the game so your kid can smile. No, nah, man, Alice Caruso is a difference maker. And he is the guy you can't tell my bad to. It's no, it's no coincidence that the defense changes when he is out there on the floor. The defense changes when he is in uniform. This team got derailed when two of their backcourt guys went down with injuries. Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. You can look at it any other way you want to. That's fine. You can talk about what they weren't and how, you know, how this team was riding too high and they, they came back down. They came back down because they stopped defending. They came back down because they stopped pushing the ball. They came back down because they didn't have a guy who can hit spot-up threes uh, as routinely as both Lonzo and Alex Caruso were doing in the first half of that season. Alex Caruso comes back. Lonzo Ball doesn't. Alex Caruso has some shooting woes because of the broken wrist and all those other things that went into it. Man, I'm telling you right now, that game tonight had Alex Caruso's fingerprints all over it. You're talking about the 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 89 86 play i believe where Alex Caruso gets the uh helps gets the offensive rebound and then dribbles it out penetrates back into the lane kicks it out to Patrick Williams for an open three-pointer he misses that Nikola Vucevic tips the ball out to DeMar DeRozan for one of the the you know nail in the coffin layups at the end of the game those plays don't happen as often when Alex Russo is not in uniform or off the floor as when they do when he's on the floor. And I don't think it's by coincidence. That's the kind of dude that you pay for. And the Los Angeles Lakers are feeling it while they're watching from home. And a team like the Chicago Bulls are reaping the rewards of having a dude on the team that you can't just fucking say my bad to, right? That you can't just loaf around because he's going to make you look bad in the film study too. 
because he's the guy that the coach is pointing to that's giving max effort out there. That dude, there are culture changes that come around to your squad every once in a while, and he's one of those dudes. I'm glad Io DeSumo and Patrick Williams are getting a chance to play with a guy like that in their formative years, right? I'm glad a guy like Zach Levine gets to play next to a guy like that to cover up sometimes some of the mistakes, and now especially with the bad knee, I mean, you're covering up for a lot of things for guys out there defensively. So if, if you don't know... Uh, how I felt about Alice Caruso by listening to these pods, the first 91 of them, I guess, then you're going to figure it out tonight because in game two, a game that the Bulls needed, let's, let's face it, this team was playing with house money. My man Will Produce said it uh, coming into this series. They're playing with house money coming into this joint, right? The expectations were that the Bulls are going to get beat by in six, in five, some people said in four. The Milwaukee Bucks were feeling like a championship team at the end of the regular season. They felt like a championship team in certain spurts through game one where they turned it on and said, okay, let's stop playing with our food out here. Let's get this thing over with so we can move on to game two. And that was the game that I was worried about because everybody was saying, all right, man, game one is the one you should take. And they had a chance to take it and they didn't take it. And in turn, I thought they had awakened a championship squad. I'm going to tell you right now, the Bucs don't, and it's not, it, uh, this is not taking anything away from what the Bulls have done in these first two games. The Bucs don't look like the championship Bucks last year for whatever reason in these two games in the playoffs. You know what they look like? They look like the team that had Eric Bledsoe as point guard before they traded for Drew Holiday and, and, and kept bumping their head on that glass ceiling known as the NBA second round. They look like the team that Giannis was flirting with leaving before last year and before they acquired Drew Holiday. If Grayson Allen is going to give you three points, and this is the other thing too, we got we to gotta really, really keep track of this Chris Middleton knee injury because Chris Middleton, it was reported, and, and Mike Budenholzer followed that up in the press conference by saying that he sprained his MCL. I didn't think Chris Middleton was moving or playing like himself this entire series. And, and I can't, we, we had a chance to, to, for everybody that needs to go behind the scenes. Uh, it was a busy day at NBC Sports Chicago today because you had a Sox doubleheader and you had a Blackhawks game as well. So you had all three franchises that play on the station playing at pretty much, you know, within eight, 10 hour window. So we had to get in there and tape our pregame show and tape our halftime show a couple of hours before tip-off. And in talking about this game, I, I, I kept thinking, okay, how do the Bulls pull this one off? And I kept zeroing in on Chris Middleton's performance in game one and saying, all right, that's going to be a market correction that is made. At some point, Chris Middleton is going to snap out of it and give you the 22, 23, 24 points that you're used to seeing out of him. You know, go on the, the 12, 13-point run in, the, in a quarter to seal the deal for you. That Chris Middleton did not show up through the first seven quarters of this playoff series, and then he leaves the game with an MCL sprain. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a different series if Chris Middleton can't go. And I'm not just talking about in game three. I'm talking about game four, five, six. He's probably not going to go for game three unless something miraculous happens. And of course, you know, guys heal differently. The difference is there's only one game in between these games. There was two games, two days, I should say two days in between game one and two. There's only one day difference in between game two and three. So you got less recuperation. You got 
more going back to the lab because you're coming off of a loss. Um, Bobby Portis got his eye scratched, and he he had to leave the game. And when that guy doesn't come back into the game, he's one of the tougher cats in the NBA. So we're talking about a Milwaukee Bucks team who I thought whose depth would um, suffice throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. But now you're not, you're not just talking about depth. You're talking about two of your top eight, one of your starters, and and arguably your most important guy off the bench not being able to go maybe for game three. And it's going to be at the UC, first playoff game in five years. Yeah, man. It's a different kind of vibe. It's definitely a different kind of vibe going into the game three. And this team winning game two tells me a couple of things. You know, a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say over the last couple of weeks, not only about Billy Donovan, but about Nikola Vucevic, too. I want to give credit where credit is due, because I've been on Nikola's ass as well. He's, he's, you know, he hasn't played as aggressively and as physically um, dominating as I thought he should have. Tonight, he did. Vooch was all over the place tonight. And not just offensively. I believe he had 24 and 18. Jesse, you can check that if I'm not mistaken. 24 and 18. But defensively, down the stretch, and not just guarding, but remaining tall. You know, guy, you know, there was a couple Drew Holiday layups that were blown because Nikola Vucevic put his hands up and, and, and anchored down in the post. There's a couple of times where Giannis Antetokounmpo, that wall, 24 and 13, I'm sorry, 24 points and 13 rebounds for Vooch. There was a couple of times tonight where that wall was built because Vooch was back waiting for him. Vooch played a sound defensive game tonight, a sound defensive game. And this is the guy that for the, you know, the latter half of the season was one of the real reasons why the Bulls' defense was struggling. Not just Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball being out, but the fact that Nikola Vucevic kept playing what amounted to a drop defense against some of the best pick-and-roll guards in not only the Eastern Conference, but the entire NBA. You know, we're, we're playing drop defense against, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the James Hardens of the world and the Trey Youngs of the world and the Donovan Mitchells of the world. Like, if you go back and look at that Bulls post-All-Star break schedule, show me a night where there wasn't a premier premier lead guard that they were going up against or a player who didn't master the pick and roll teardrop, right? Isn't initiating that offense high post or top of the key and getting somewhere in that restricted area or just at the dots and throwing up a teardrop while a six foot 11, seven foot player is retreating. You, you ask the NBA point guard or NBA lead guard to do that. Hell, that's all they work on in the off season. And he was part of that re- he was part of that defense that struggled so mildly in the second half. Tonight, Vooch brought his A game, man. Vooch played his ass off tonight. He made up for that nine for 27. And by the way, in game one, Vooch kept you in that one. If we keep it funky, we can look at all these numbers all we want in terms of how many he missed eight. Yes, he missed 18 shots in the first game. He missed eight three-pointers in the first game. But Vooch was the one that was keeping them in that game in the first game, along with Kobe White along with some reserves off the bench in that third quarter when they made their run. But back to the game, man. I mean, Giannis and the Bucks fought back with a different kind of offense, too. And, and this is what I've noticed as well. And you guys out there, you'll be able to tell me if I'm wrong. You tell me all the time on Twitter, so this shouldn't make any difference. But Giannis' mid-range and that Giannis jump shot, that is only going when Giannis is confident. 
right? Like Giannis isn't to the point yet where he could find his game and find his scoring through the jump shot. You see a lot of jump shooters and a lot of scorers in the league say, all right, screw it, man. I got to put this bitch up because I got to get myself going, right? Either getting to the line or pulling up on a, you know, something that would be thought of as a bad shot and a guy hits it and then all of a sudden that gets him going. Giannis doesn't play like that. Giannis takes that mid-range or that three-point shot occasionally when he's feeling good. And when he doesn't, when he isn't feeling good and he does take that shot, it looks like it looked tonight. I, don't get me wrong. Giannis played his ass off tonight. But in the moments where the Bucks needed a bucket, the Bulls played terrific, terrific walled-up defense against him. And in moments where Giannis thought he can get that running start, I'm a, and, and, you know, it's easier said than done. But Giannis, Giannis really has a Euro step, a spin move, and, you know, playing above the rim on you. I mean, if, if the Bulls learn anything tonight, they need to stop switching. Because when they switch, Giannis and Drew Holiday, and they, what they're doing is they're going 1-4, 1-5, switching on you. So, in essence, Drew Holiday is trying to get whatever big you guys got guarding Giannis on him because he knows he can beat him off the dribble. And if that big is going to sag back, You've now switched, and the problem is nobody's switching back and helping that switch because Giannis got switched on to Caruso a couple of times, who Caruso can battle him a little bit, but he got switched on to Zach Levine. He got switched on to Io DeSumo. I think a lot of the reason why Io DeSumo hasn't seen a lot of minutes in this series, one, he's a young player, and two, they are targeting him as soon as he gets into the game. They are trying to switch knowing that Drew Holiday can physically physically overpower uh, Io DeSumo, which you saw in the regular season. He had a 14-point fourth quarter in the regular season uh, against Io DeSumo when Io had just got the starting job. So they know and they have seen something I love when I see this and when we see this as basketball fans watching the game closely. You can tell what coaches have zeroed in on and in some, you know, you know, dark, dank, disgusting film room covered in like tobacco spit and, and coffee cups. They're like, oh, shit. We got the matchup here where Drew Holiday can bully this young boy and if not he's going to have to switch on to Giannis where he can bully him or what you saw tonight Drew Holiday had that switch and put up a couple of shots knowing that Giannis Antetokounmpo would have the rebounding position like far too often when we think about switching we think about switching a guy and then guarding him to the end of a possession when that switch happens and you've got a guy who's got inside positioning because he's a big and he's 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 physically going to overpower whoever he's on. And on top of it, a lot of these young guards, a lot of guards, period, don't know how to box out these big dudes. So even if you box me out, okay, my, his length. I mean, Giannis's length is going to uh, provide so many offensive rebounding opportunities, and the Bulls got to stop doing that. You know, if, they, if you're going to switch, you got to switch back immediately on the backside. If you're switching up top and it's a 1-4 switch and, and Io DeSumo and, or, or, or Zach Levine is, the, is guarding the ball handler and they have to switch down to, to Giannis to either guard him or to keep him off the boards, the big, whoever it is, or whoever's the guy next to the big, whether it be Derrick Jones Jr., Patrick Williams, Vooch, anybody over six foot seven, six foot eight, they got to yank Zach Levine or yank Ayodosumu by the jersey, by the hand, whatever the case may be, and get him off or get them off of Giannis Antetokounmpo so they can better defend it. 
right? The multiple efforts, not just physically, but mentally. You got to make that mental effort to say, all right, I can't have this guy down here fighting because what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of your guards in foul trouble trying to box out that guy. So it's the game inside the game. And I think somebody on that Bucks coaching staff saw exactly what happens there when they switch and they took advantage of that. You know, that's how the run, that's how the lead decreased. And then DeMar DeRozan had come back with some more of his heroics. But the Bulls kept switching, uh, allowing Giannis uh, to get to the rim or rebound against the small, which is something that you don't want. And um, this is another thing, too. Game one, I was happy with Kobe White. Not so much for game two. Yeah, he had a couple of really, really bad sequences. Um, You know, the terrible back-to-back possessions then followed up by the Vooch foul on Middleton on the made three. Like I, that was when I yelled out, uh, damn, as loud as I've ever yelled out, damn, at a workplace. And I've yelled out, damn, at a workplace um, pretty much at every stop, you know, including here at the Ringer. But it took a lot out of me because you foul a three-point shooter in Middleton. He makes it. And then they go to the tape to see if you get the Pachulia foul, right? The Zaza Pachulia rule where you're putting your feet under people and not allowing them to land. Luckily, they didn't assess the the flagrant foul. uh, So it was only a four-point play. But that was a 14-2 run. You know, Kobe White, playoffs going to be different every single game. I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler walking through the tunnel one time. And it it was after uh, a game two, I believe, uh, in the last series that they were together. And I heard Derrick say to Jimmy, and I actually recorded it uh, as they were walking off, uh, say that every game is going to be different. Every game in the series is going to be different. And Kobe White, I think, learned that. Kobe White learned because in game one, the third quarter, Kobe was a real factor in why that game stayed close. Game two, Kobe White, uh, some tough possessions defensively, some tough possessions offensively. Um, Bulls only got 10 points off their bench, but the Bucs only got seven or eight, and that was because Portis was hurt. So we'll see how that bench uh, is fortified or not with the the diagnosis of the, the eye injury that Bobby Portis suffered. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com. Slash Simmons. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah, I miss Alex Caruso so much. Yeah, Doug. So uh, much. He's, he's outstanding. He's outstanding. He's so good. Like he's everything. He's everything you need in the moment. 
Like he understands the moment. Yeah. Right? He, he feels like that all the little pieces that you need like to complete everything. He's like yeah. that glue. He fills yeah. in all those empty empty spaces. Yeah. And and the thing and you know, now that we're back, uh I'm glad we're having this conversation because the thing that um you know, you see his weaknesses like if he plays huge minutes, but in playoff games, um the possessions are limited and the score is limited. So it's not like you're going to be losing five or six points in the margins because he's out there. Whereas in a, in a regular season game where, you know, guys get hot, anything happens, like the, 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 the priority and the pressure that is put on every single possession in a playoff game, his value mounts because of what he does defensively. So the shots that he doesn't hit, like there was a point through the game where I asked Will, I'm like, you know, because he, he had hit a three-pointer. And uh, no, he had missed one, and I was like, "Oh man, he's what is he one for six right now?" And uh, he's yeah, like, "No, he missed he's three two for big ones down the stretch." Yeah, yeah, but at that point, he was three for six, right? Like I thought he had missed more than he had because it seemed like, and it has seemed like since he's come back, his shot has been off, right? But you know, those things will get exploited, right? Like he's not a perfect player, but man, is that dude important? Like he is, he is necessary, bro, and and I enjoy watching him play because. He put his face in there. He got his he got his he got his face knocked off a couple of times. Giannis, Giannis came through with the elbows. The fact, and this is the other thing too, man. Yo, I am not the referee guy. I never have been in my entire career doing this. Right, May of two thousand is when I started to get paid to do this in some shape, form, capacity. You you could count on one hand the times I have blamed referees for a loss. Or, or chided referees for bad calls. It's just not in my nature. It's too much game to be played for you to come down. Like, if, if you blow a last-second call where the game's tied up and it's blatant, then, yeah, you, you deserve it. But it's too many ebbs and flows, too many swings in a game for me to be like, all right, this, this, this is what cost you. But there were some very, very questionable, questionable calls given to Giannis Antetokounmpo in this game. Very questionable. And then you go back to game one where, and I'm still pissed that Billy didn't uh, challenge or review Pat Williams' box out of Giannis Antetokounmpo to give him his fifth foul in game one. But tonight, I mean, it was one time where Javante Green puts his face in there and Giannis is coming with the Euro step and he elbows him in the face and the play continues and, and Javante's pawing at his face like, what's going on here? Like, I mean, every, every, every time I've seen that throughout this NBA season, the refs have gone and taken a look at it because it was a blow to the head. And anytime you get elbows above the shoulders, you got to go take a look at it. I, I know that wasn't the case, and I know Giannis wasn't going to get thrown out of any game or get called for anything, but damn. And then they come down and, and, and call Javon Carter for a foul that, that was really not a foul. So I'm like, all right, now you're making up for it. But uh, Giannis was fantastic, and he is going to have to be fantastic. What did he do tonight? Was it 33, uh, what, 17 and 9 or something like that? I mean, he was he was outstanding, especially after a game where he didn't score in the fourth quarter. I even and we didn't even talk about it in the, in the pod on the pod uh, last last game, but man, he didn't score in the fourth quarter of game one. So there it is, thirty three, eighteen, and nine. I mean, he was outstanding tonight. He was outstanding, and they took a loss. This is what Bulls fans and this Bulls team can kind of take to heart. That dude played like an MVP tonight, and they lost. 
Game one, didn't play like an MVP. You know, played above average to good for Giannis Antetokounmpo. 27-16 is great for anybody else. For Giannis, not scoring in the fourth quarter and getting 27-16, that's just an average to above average to maybe good game for him. He played his ass off tonight. Played his ass off tonight. And the Bulls beat them. Game three is going to be up for grabs, man. I am looking forward to the United Center rocking. I can't wait to get out there. Um, You know, I've been blessed to cover some very historic series in recent Bulls playoff history. Uh, Wasn't blessed enough because I wasn't in the business back in those days uh, to to cover any of the championship runs. My guy, Casey Johnson, who is uh, one of the greatest to ever do it in this city, uh, is 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 the guy that I lean on for all those playoff moments and and the feeling and the vibe back then. But you know, I covered Derrick Rose uh, and his rise to stardom, and covered many a, a, an eventful playoff game in the UC uh, against the Miami Heat and LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and, LeBron, and, and Chris Bosh, or against LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to tell you right now, the UC has been waiting for a game like this for years. It's been a long time since the Jimmy Butler trade. A long time. You know, Jimmy's been on three teams since then, right? You know, Zach Levine ain't dunk contest Zach anymore. You know, you're not waiting for Larry Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. to figure it out, right? This team, uh, you're not worried about you know, John Paxson and Gar Foreman. Like, there was a bunch of things that were just sur- uh, surrounding this team that just, this team just needed to move on from uh, in, in terms of just the optics, right? And now they finally figured it out. They finally got here. And it's been a long five years, right? But I can't wait. I cannot wait for game three on Friday. Um, you know, a lot of times people ask, "What well, you know, what, what's your favorite part about the job?" It's it's the it's the big game nights. It's still to this night, to this day, big game nights, man. It, you know, whether it be playoff baseball on the north side or on the south side, whether it be uh, Stanley Cup playoff hockey. I mean, NBA playoff basketball. Watching it when other cities are enjoying it is damn fun, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times over the last few years, hell, watching Dame Lillard do what he did to, to PG and Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Motor Center with the wave, you know, the, the, the goodbye wave after you hit the damn near half-court three. Like, watching those big moments year after year after year over this last half a decade, half a decade since the Bulls have been in the playoffs. Watching those moments happen in other arenas when the bright lights were on and the best announcers were at the game. You know what I mean? You, when you see Doris, when you see Reggie, when you see Kevin Harlan, you know, God rest his soul. When you see Craig Sager walking through the tunnel and he give you a couple of words, like Craig was always the dude who would talk to you like, you, you, you know, like you hadn't like you hadn't missed a beat. Like, like, you know, we haven't seen each other for a good six, seven months, right, Greg? Like, you know, it's been a year since, since this last time, and it, it was always cool to see him because you knew a big game was in tow, right? You knew the, the show was in town. show's going to be in town on Friday. It's going to be Friday night. Some people's pay schedule is going to work out that way. The United Center has always been, as, as, as my man Dan Bernstein used to say back in the day, I don't know if he still says it because I don't get a chance to hear him as much, but, you know, dinner theater, 
right? You, you, it's a great place to hang out on a, on a Friday night, but now it's got that playoff mentality, that playoff vibe, that playoff feel. And game three is going to be raucous. I'm not going to be the person that's going to say that the Bulls are going to win this series. But I, what I will say is, if Chris Middleton misses more than one game, this shit is up for grabs. This series is up for grabs. This Bucks team over these last eight quarters of basketball has looked a lot like the Bucks team that Giannis was unhappy with and that was led by Eric Bledsoe than the one that was led by Drew Holiday to a championship. Now, if you want to put it all on Drew Holiday, fine. That's fine with me because I don't cover the Milwaukee Bucks, nor am I a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So y'all going to have to talk to him and them about that. If you want to put it on Mike Budenholzer, fine. For not doubling or taking the ball out of DeMar DeRozan's hands until he got, what, 34, 35 points? That's fine, too. Whatever the case may be, the Bulls need to know this. All the pressure is on the Milwaukee Bucks. Now you're going to find out what a cornered animal does. Does it cur up and wait for you to capture it? Or does it lash out with a fury like I think the Milwaukee Bucks will lash out with? Bulls are going to have to do a much better job of taking care of the basketball. Way too many unforced errors tonight. They're going to have to get to the line. They're going to have to get to the line. The free throw disparity cannot be what it was tonight. It's as simple as that. For them to win game three, they're going to have to not be 20, what, minus 20 or so in the free throw attempt category. That thing's going to have to be evened out a little bit. And you can say, yeah, it's on the referees, but it's on the aggressor. The referees are going to give the calls to the aggressor, especially at home. If the crowd is on your side, Man, people don't understand and realize that the refs get swayed as much by emotion and the atmosphere and environment as do players. And some of the greatest refs will blow a call just because everything is rocking and 19, 20,000 people are on your ass about making the best call and human moments happen. But you got to be the aggressor and put them on their heels. You got you to put the refs in the position that have to make the call because that's what Giannis does every time. And continue, and I never thought I'd say this, and I will never say this in this way again because it was such a despicable term for so long that it, it just makes me shudder. But guess what? The Bulls got to do. They got to build that wall. That They, they got to continue to build that wall every time Giannis gets the ball. Do not let him see any clear open lanes without one or two people being right there. There was a moment tonight, and I thought Patrick Williams played a decent game, but there was a moment tonight where Patrick Williams played a little bit of Ole defense. Next thing you know, Giannis is at the line trying to convert a three-point play. That cannot happen. And on the other end, Patrick Williams, if Brooke Lopez is ever out there trying to guard you, they put the person, they put Brooke Lopez on the person they think either won't shoot or is not an offensive threat. That's the only way Milwaukee gets by with him being on the floor for, for long periods of time when there are mobile bigs out there and when there are bigs that he has to guard at the three-point line. If Vooch is out there with Patrick Williams, that means Brooke Lopez is going to be on Patrick Williams. And if that happens, then you got to give him the same up fake that you gave him with the up and under, uh, uh, I believe is in the fourth quarter, uh, a layup that, that, that was desperately needed. Patrick Williams had 10 points, 9 rebounds. Patrick Williams is going to have to have 14, 15 points, especially if Brooke Lopez is guarding him and other people. This is why Alex Caruso, again, back to my Alex Caruso point, this is why Alex was so important in game one and two because especially in game two, he was running point guard. DeMar DeRozan was off the ball more than we've seen him be off the ball down the stretch of this regular season and especially in game one. 
So there's a lot of little things that still have to get ironed out, but the Bulls go back home tied one-to-one in a, in a fashion that I did not think they would be. And I got to be real with y'all. Bulls should be up two to nothing right now. This is an important moment, not only for the franchise, but for Bulls fans. And I, I am so happy that we get a chance to share it with each other. Looking forward to game three on Friday. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hey, this is Lance Bridge. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, wrapping things up here. Take a quick spin around some of the news and notes. Uh, Kofi Coburn deciding to go pro for the Fighting Illini. The big man from the Fighting Illini, all Big Ten, uh, had himself quite the career. He is a guy that I have uh, argued with NBA players and scouts alike over the last, I'd say, year or so who have asked me, what's he going to do in the league? Well, he's going to be seven foot and 260 pounds, 265 pounds. That's what he's going to do in the league. So uh, congratulations to that young man for taking his career to the next level. Um, I think he will be someone's very serviceable backup big for a very long time. And Jake Arrieta, Cubs legend. Jake Arrieta is calling it a career. Uh, He came back a second time around. Wasn't as uh, eventful. But when Jake Arrieta left, for the Philadelphia Phillies, it was uh, it was it was as if like one of those iconic, legendary players who is in your city for a decade plus leaves and he, and you're crestfallen. But the difference is he wasn't here for a decade plus. He was just here for the best run of Cubs baseball that any of us have seen in our lifetimes in terms of contending, in terms of winning a World Series. Um, The year that he had where he won the Cy Young, the man was putting up Bob Gibson-like numbers, and we had a chance to be around him because at that time I was still doing terrestrial radio here in the city. So we had some luncheons and we had some appearances and stuff with Jake Arrieta. Um, a, a dude who was always about his business, a dude who was always about the game, uh, one of those real bulldog, give the ball to and, and don't don't go back out there until seven innings have passed kind of catch. So um, but Cubs fans, uh, you, I already know how you feel about Jake Arrieta. Uh, there haven't been many people who have brought a World Series to the city of Chicago, and he is one of them. So uh, in his retirement, 
or his pending retirement, uh, we wish him the best because uh, he is definitely one of those dudes who uh, is going to, you're not going to be able to talk about 2016 and, and, and not mention Jake Area. You're not going to be able to talk about this latest uh, rendition of the Chicago Cubs under Theo Epstein uh, and not mention Jake Arrieta. So congratulations to him on a terrific career. And also uh, thank you from Cubs fans, I'm sure, uh, for bringing a World Series to the north side. And the Bears got their first practice in, right? David Montgomery, everybody's happy. Matt Eberflus is out there throwing out acronyms like HITS and all this other stuff. Justin Fields is excited about the offense. So football is around the corner. We're going to be covering the draft here coming up this week and next week uh, because the Bears, they got picks, right? They, they haven't traded all their first-round picks away over the years, but they do have some picks that we're going to get to. I hope, I hope, I hope they draft uh, that wide receiver Sky Moore, even though uh, I, I hear that the young man is climbing uh, up the uh, the mock drafts. But I hope they 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 put somebody out there on the perimeter uh, to go along with Darnell Mooney and some of the other guys that they've picked up because um, there's a lot of wide receiver talent in this draft. So I'm looking forward to that. And finally, outside the shy, Debo Samuel has requested a trade, ladies and gentlemen. Th- this is a this is a little. Um, it's a little cautionary tale to you out there. Stop volunteering for shit, okay? Stop volunteering for shit, for whether it be your relationships or, or at work. Because when you volunteer for shit, people find out everything that you can do. And this is exactly what's going on with Debo Samuel right now, okay? Debo Samuel went out there and volunteered his ass to be a running back, to be a slot back, to be a slot wide receiver, to be an X, a Y, every other letter that you want to put up there on the chalkboard. And we we extolled the virtues of Debo Samuel and how tough he was in the last two years, how many touchdowns he scored for the San Francisco 49ers. And guess what? Debo Samuel took his ass and started asking about how much money he was going to get from the 49ers. And he was like, hey, uh, let me tell you something. All that extra shit you was doing, we ain't going to pay you for all that. Because guess what? You done took all them extra hits doing all that extra shit you was doing. So all those extra hits we feel have accumulated, and we are about to pay you for what you are going to do, not what you have done, which is what all football players get paid by. Okay? So if Jimmy Graham ain't teach y'all anything, hey, I'm playing all this wide out. Why y'all want to play me like a tight end? All right, he got to hold out and wait for his money. Debo Samuel, I'm playing running back. I'm playing I'm playing uh, X. I'm playing Y. I'm playing the slot. Everybody, oh, look at it. He could be an all-pro running back if you, if you gave him the ball 250, 275 times a year. Well, guess what? That man plays wide receiver and took hits like a running back would take, took hits like a fullback would take, took hits like a slot receiver would take for the last two or three years. And the 49ers have looked them right in the face and said, hey, guess what, man? Those hits have added up. And we don't believe, you know, that that's going to be, um, that's going to be beneficial to pay for down the road. So, yeah, he's got to do what he's got to do. 49ers got to do what they've got to do. But this is just to, uh, just a, a little of a cautionary tale for y'all out there. Stop volunteering for shit. Figure out what you could do. Do it well. Get paid for it. And anything extra, get paid for that too. Because if not, you end up like Devo Samuel looking around and being mad that you did all that extra shit. It's the full go, baby! That's all the time we have for episode 92 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. We want to thank you, the listener out there. We will be back on Friday 
right? Because the schedule changed a little bit for us on these pods. We're not doing Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday this week. We're doing Sunday, Wednesday, Friday because that's when the games are happening. So we'll catch up with you on Friday as we recap game three of Bulls Bucks. And as always, don't forget you can hit us up on the full goal voicemail line at 773-359-3103. Want to thank our production staff, the active Jesse Lopez. Thank you very much. And the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. Somewhere lurking in the shadows. He ain't jump on with us here. Vooch had too good of a game. He couldn't he couldn't eat that Vooch crow as an Orlando Magic fan. I know why he ain't show up. It's all good. We we still love you though, Steve Cerruti. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, downloading this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, rating and reviewing it, doing what you do, whatever it is you do for this pod. We truly, truly appreciate it. For the fellas, my name is Jason. We appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Brought to you by The Ringer. And, of course, Spotify is the gang. And on this very, very eventful day, we leave you with this. If there's ever a day that you should be out there taking care of each other and being safe, today is that day. Y'all have a good one out there. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.